good to see all of you. Uh, it's good to be back after a bit of a vacation. I had a good time. I did. Um, you know, preachers have fun too. Uh, no, I, I, one thing that makes it for a great vacation, you've got to have a good book. I had a great book. It was not a novel. It was spiritual, but it really fed me. It was a great book. Um, and do you know that I even rented a gold wing? Now, if you don't know what a gold wing is, it's what all the old people ride, <laughs> motorcycles. No, I'm kidding. It's, this thing is a major motorcycle, and I rented it. So, yeah, I do, I do ride motorcycles, and I took it up into the hill country. It has a radio. You almost have a recliner seat, and it's got a cruise control. I know. Isn't that crazy? A motorcycle. And so I had a great time doing that. Saw the Texas Hill Country. And so it was, a, it, was a, it was a good two weeks. Now, I understand that Pastor Sonny and Pastor Clint did a great job. Amen? They, they really blessed you. So here I am. I'm landing again. And I'm going to talk to you about money. And some of you just said to yourself, man, I wish I'd stayed home today. No, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about money. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you would really love more money? I don't believe you. That, that was a very half-hearted response. If I came up to some of you and said, hey, God told me to give you this $1,000 check, how many of you would give Jesus a shout and have, and have a moment? Come on. All right. I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible says about money and you, you and your money, because God doesn't want us serving our money. He wants our money serving us, and he doesn't want us chained to boatloads of debt. He wants us free. Now, I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to share is going to help you today. And it's just the beginning. I'm going to do a two-part series that I'm just calling Grace-Driven Giving. I don't believe the New Testament teaches, I can't find it, that if you don't give, you're going to be cursed. I can't find it. I find it in the Old Testament, but I can't find it in the New Testament. But I do find this, that there is a grace God gives to give. He gives that grace. And so I'm going to talk about that next week more than today. Today I just want to talk to you about money matters. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21. This is Jesus talking about money. And here's what Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Notice, if you choose two gods, there's going to be a love-hate relationship eventually. You're going to grow to love one and despise the other because God wired us to only serve one God. Okay? So he said, if, if you have two, you're going to love one, hate the other. And then look what he said at the end. You cannot serve both God and money. You will serve one or the other. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will set us financially free. Lord, we don't want to be tyrannized by debt. We don't want to be under a load of just unmanageable debt. We want to be free. You came to set us free, and finances are part of that. I pray you will give us wisdom. Speak to us. And, Lord, minister your word to our hearts. Now, would you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me. I pray, change my finances. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get ready, this is going to be good. Amen. 
Isn't it good to see those folks up there baptized in water? And then also, I understand that um, we have more children signed up for Summer Fun University than we've ever had. And then I also understand that the youth, when they went off to Youth for the Nations and Christ for the Nations, they had a life-changing time. So many testimonies, they can't even get to all of them. So God is moving in all different aspects of our church. Amen? And he's going to move in our money, too. Billy Graham once said, If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his life. Now, I'm going to read that again, and I want you to let it sink in. If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Money matters. I'm going to show you today just how much money matters on many different levels. We're going to see that how you handle your money reveals a great deal about how deeply God has gotten hold of your heart. We're going to see that. This is not what Jeff said. We're going to show, show you what Jesus said. You know, it might surprise you to know that Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell. The only thing he talked about more than money is, is the kingdom of God. He talked about money more than heaven and hell. So money must matter, and money must have a spiritual connection, or Jesus would not have dealt with it. Eleven of his 39 parables talk about money. Do you know that? Eleven of them. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. One out of every seven verses in Luke talk about money. Now, Jesus did not teach that we should all be rich and all should strive to be, to be rich. Nothing like that. He mainly focused on two things. He focused on the power of money to lure us away from what is most important. And he talked about how we are stewards over the money that God has given to us. He never said, I want everybody to be rich. He said, I want you to have enough, but I don't want you to worry about your money. He said, I don't want you to worry about stuff. I want you to be able to focus on the kingdom of God. The Bible says all kinds of things about money. You can find so many verses in the Bible about money. Now, I just pulled out a few. Let me share some with you. Here's, here's a principle, and then I'm going to read the verse. Money can keep you away from God. The Bible says that. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, why would that be? Because the rich person leans on their money instead of leaning on God. They find their security in money rather than secu their security in God. So Jesus said it's hard for rich people to get saved because they don't see the need for it. Money issues can choke your spiritual fruitfulness, can choke you spiritually. Jesus said the seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the love for money, look at this, choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. This is talking about the materialist. The materialistic person who chases money instead of God. He said, when you're chasing money instead of God, it chokes the word. And you miss out on fruitfulness spiritually. And then there's a truth in the Bible we all know. Riches are uncertain. The Bible says, in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. You ever notice that? You're already saying to yourself, I got paid just a few days ago. Where is it gone? Because money, the Bible says, 
sprouts wings and flies away like an eagle. One day you've got it, the next day you don't. Money comes, money goes. One day you're riding high, the next day you're riding low. Because money comes and money goes. I just made a poem and didn't even mean to. (laughs) Riches are uncertain. The Bible is very, very clear, folks. Hear this. Money does not bring happiness. Money can't buy happiness. It says those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Because, see, happiness is an inside job. Happiness does not come from something outside in. Happiness, real happiness, joy is an inside job. And the way you really get happy is going to the foot of the cross and asking God to forgive you for your sins. And when you make peace with God, you experience the peace of God. And when you've got the peace of God, it makes you happy. Happy, happy, happy. I mean, we've seen people lately check out of life who had millions of dollars and lived in mansions, but they clearly were not happy. Because money can't buy you happiness. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's where happiness comes from. By walking with him and knowing him and and, and giving him your all and letting him fill you with his Holy Spirit. That's what brings real happiness. Money troubles can break up a home. Do you know the number one destroyer of marriages is money issues? It says the greedy, and I'm going to define greedy as those who go into debt for things already consumed. The greedy bring ruin to their own households. When your household is is based on the foundation of chasing the dollar instead of chasing God, then the Bible says you can bring ruin to your household because we're not called to be materialists. We are called to be Jesus chasers. Amen? Now let me define money for you. What is it? What is money? What is it? Here's a simple definition. Money is the resource that empowers us to get what we need or want. You can't get much without money. It's a resource. It's just a resource that comes into your hands in a capitalistic culture that has an economy. You you have money, and money gives you the power to get what you need or what you want. There's very little you can get. We, We wouldn't be enjoying air conditioning in here right now without money or a building without money. You got here in a car that you had to get with money. You're wearing clothes that money bought, thank God. And so we need money. We all need money. We all need money. We need it to live. We need it to eat. We need it to put a roof over our head. We need it for clothes. We all need money. But the Bible says what we do with our money reveals the priorities we have chosen. What we do with our money. Matter of fact, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you the, 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 the biggest indicator of where you and I are spiritually. If you want to know a person's priorities, what they have put as number one, number two, number three, all you got to do is look at their calendar or their checkbook. And if you look at the calendar and the checkbook, you will see what a person values most. See, priorities come from what you value. When you say, I, I value this thing most highly then that is what you're going to prioritize. You're going to give your time to it, your strength to it, your attention to it, your all to it. Whatever you value most is what you're going to prioritize. See, you wouldn't be in church today if you didn't value it and prioritize it. But praise God, you valued it and you're here because you value God and you wanted to worship God. And he's a top priority in your life. Amen? 
Amen. How you handle your money also reveals a lot about your spiritual maturity, the Bible says. If you're financially responsible, it's going to show this. Self-control, that's a spiritual fruit. Wisdom about life, that's a spiritual fruit. And your heart is primarily free of covetousness. If you are financially responsible, you have wisdom about life, you have self-control, and you're not covetous, you're not materialistically driven. But on the other hand, if you're financially irresponsible, it manifests in a wasteful lifestyle that doesn't save, doesn't tithe, and accumulates debt for things already consumed. Amen, Pastor Jeff. Preach it. I, I, I knew today would not be a jump up and shout message, but you know what? It's going to set us free. Amen. How many of you want to be financially free? Amen. Amen. Now, have you noticed that when we, when we become a committed follower of Jesus Christ, we discover that biblical Christianity, and I mean Christianity by the book, when you become a Christian, here is your guide for living, this book right here, the Bible. No better book in all the world. And you know what? There's no better financial guide in all the world than the Bible. It teaches us everything we need to know, need to know about life and living. And, and when, you, when we come to Christ, here's what happens we come into a brand new kingdom. The Bible says that before we knew Jesus, we were in the kingdom of darkness. It literally calls it a kingdom. We were in the kingdom of darkness. But when we got saved by God's power, by the power that comes from turning to Christ, God delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear son. We changed kingdoms. And when we change kingdoms, we change kings. And when we change kings, we change the rules for living in that kingdom. Because the rules for living in darkness and the rules for living in the light are two completely different things. So we change kingdoms. I was in the kingdom of darkness and I did the will of the devil. And I live according to the principles of darkness. But now that I'm in the kingdom of light, I am in a brand new kingdom with a brand new king. His name is Jesus and he's way easier on me than the devil was. Amen? But you find that not only does he put you in a new kingdom with a new king, but he, he changes the principles of your financial life. Your orientation to money is totally changed. The way we handle money in the kingdom of the world is very, very different from the way that we're to handle it in the kingdom of God. Let me give you an instance. The, the world teaches us to chase the dollar, while Jesus teaches us to chase him. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and watch this, all these things, and that's material things, that the world is chasing as their number one value, all these things will be added to you as a side benefit of putting Jesus first. Amen. The world says chase stuff. Chase that new car, that new house, that new wardrobe, that new whatever. You always got to have the newest thing sparkliest thing, brightest thing, that glitters the most, the biggest, the best, the newest. But the Bible says, here's the rule of the kingdom of God. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above and not things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So notice the switch. When I come into the kingdom of light, I'm no longer chasing things and stuff 
and materialism this way. But I am now chasing things that are this way. I am seeking Him. I'm seeking His kingdom. I'm seeking to please God. I want Him. I want to know Him. He's my number one passion, my number one love, my number one pursuit, my number one desire. It's Him. And and when I get this way focused, then God takes care of everything this way. Amen. It's not that God wants us all living in a shack. There's nothing wrong with having money. But here's what God does want. He wants our primary pursuit in life to be Him, not things. The world's message is that success is measured by what you own. How much stuff you accumulate. Like the false message on a bumper sticker I've seen many times. He who dies with the most toys wins. That's a total lie. Can I tell you why? Because when you die, you're not taking anything with you. So all your toys are staying on this side. And you're, the same way you came in is the way you're going out with nothing but him. Jesus said success is not measured by what you accumulate. That's not success. It's not measured, measured by stuff, by how many things you have as life goes on. That's not what success is measured by. It's how the world measures it, by what you drive, what you live in, what you wear. But the kingdom of God does not measure success that way. Success in the kingdom of God is measured by whether or not you are saved and fulfilling God's will for your life. If you're saved and you're fulfilling God's will for your life, then you are richer than the richest billionaire on earth who does not know God. It's a fact. Matter of fact, let me tell you what real failure is. Here's failure. Failure is when you're successful in things that don't really matter. See, you can accumulate a billion dollars on earth, but when you come to the point of death and you're breathing your last, and eternity is a few breaths away, all of those accumulated goods don't really matter at all. What matters is, do you know him? Have you walked with him? Have you served him? Have you loved him? Are you saved? Are you redeemed? That's what really matters. And so if I accumulate billions of dollars, but I never know him, I'm not a success. I'm a failure. Failure is, knowing, is, is not knowing Jesus and living for things. Success is knowing Jesus whether or not you accumulate a whole bunch of stuff. If you know Jesus today, you are richer than the richest billionaire on earth. It's a fact. You are. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You see what Jesus is saying? I think that's one of his most profound questions. I'm going to preach sometime on the things Jesus asked. He asked this question. What does it profit you if you go out and you win the whole world and you're driving a Porsche and you're living in a mansion and you've got millions and millions of dollars in the bank? What does that profit you if you lose your own soul? You have succeeded in things that don't really matter. So the kingdom of God and success is not measured by things. It's measured by your walk with God. So my question to us today is this. If your heart has been converted, has your wallet been converted too? Amen? I feel some of you reaching back there and and kind of grabbing that wallet right now. Because you're afraid I'm going to preach it out of you. No, listen. (laughs) Stay with me. See, here's what Jesus said. Jesus taught that how we handle money reveals whether or not our hearts have been fully conquered by God. 
He said, your heart will be where your treasure is. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you have crowned as most valuable in your life, that's where your heart is because that's your treasure. So if you, if you treasure money, that's where your heart is. If you treasure another person above all other things, that's where your heart is. If you treasure that car or that house or that job or those clothes, that's where your heart is. Jesus said, I can know where your heart is by where your wallet goes. Paraphrase, where your wallet is, there will your heart be also. See, it's not enough to just give Jesus your heart. That's that's how it all begins. We give Jesus our heart, but it goes on from there. We give him our head. We give him our calendar. But it's a big moment when we give him our wallet. It's a big moment when we give him our finances. Because then he's really got us. See, we say, I surrender all except my money. Or part of my money. Or most of my money. If Jesus has you and he has me, he's got our money. Have you ever said to Jesus, I not only give you control of my heart, but I give you control of my finances. Have you ever done that? Lord, I give you my finances. Not just me. I don't just have fire insurance for heaven. But Lord, I give you my finances. I give you my money. I give you control of it. I give it to you. Do with it as you please. You are Lord. Now, based on that question, I'm going to talk to you about four financial lifestyles today real quickly. There's four financial lifestyles that everybody in here lives in one of. Everybody lives in one of these. And I'm going to talk about, and here's the financial lifestyles. Here they are. Living above your means, living at your means, living within your means, or living below your means. So say with me, above, at, within, below. Everybody in here, when it comes to your money, you are in one of those lifestyles right now. The reason I'm ministering on this is because God cares about your money. God cares about your freedom. God cares about you being able to sleep at night and being financially free. God cares because he cares about everything that has to do with your life. So if you're living above or at or within or below your means, God wants to speak to you. So let me deal with these four things. First, let's, let's start with the worst, and I'm going to finish with the best. Living above your means. What is living above your means? This is the person who regularly spends more than they earn. As a result, they're always on the brink of financial disaster or a financial crisis or a financial collapse because more is going out than is coming in. We live above our means. Now, how many of you remember Popeye? Uh, now, I'm dating myself here, but I used to watch Popeye as a kid. I know he's no longer around that I know anything about. But how many of you know who Popeye is? How many of you know who Wimpy is? How many of you remember Wimpy, Popeye's friend? Now, Wimpy had a philosophy that was financial. And you remember what he's known for saying. I will gladly pay you Tuesday. Everybody knew it. Those of you who didn't know it, you have really missed a great cartoon. But I want you to notice something, that Wimpy had a financial philosophy, and it's a philosophy that is not good, and a lot of people live there. Wimpy is willing to be in debt tomorrow for something consumed today. Wimpy is willing to go into debt for a hamburger today 
that he's going to pay off later. Now, you're in real bad shape if you're going into debt for a hamburger. But he said in every, almost every cartoon he was ever in, he, he made that statement, I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. He lives on credit and never has the cash to pay for the hamburger that he wants. So he's always owing. Wimpy is perpetually in debt. He's always owing tomorrow for what he went into debt for today. He's the classic live above your means man. Don't live like Wimpy. He lived above his means. He was overextended. He never had enough to pay cash for what he wanted. Now, the person who lives above their means, you can mark it down. They may have the nicer car, the bigger house, the finer clothes, but they're probably sweating behind closed doors trying to figure out how in the world they're going to pay off their debt. See, if you've got a car that's paid for, it may be 10 years old, and you may have a spare tire on the back, but, but if it's paid for, it's a pretty car. Because that person, that person driving that brand new Porsche down the highway, they may be in that new Porsche. They may be able to strut a little bit going down the highway, but you have no idea how much debt they're in for that car. I don't want to live like Wimpy. I want to pay cash for the hamburger today so I can really enjoy the hamburger. So that's living above your means. But then the second financial lifestyle is living at your means. This is the person who lives paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And they're stretched tighter than a guitar string. They have no money for everything because they're living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Oh, Lord, help me to make it to that paycheck. How can I already be out of money? I need that next paycheck. They are one or two paychecks away from disaster, from losing everything. Because they live paycheck to paycheck. Now, as I go through these, please understand, I'm not pointing a finger I'm not judging. I'm not condemning. I've been there. I've lived paycheck to paycheck, and I've also lived like wimpy. I'm being honest with you. And I got delivered from the wimpy philosophy. But I've lived paycheck paycheck to paycheck. It takes work to move through these different levels to where you really want to be. But the person who lives at their means, they pay their bills, and they're not foolish enough to go into a mountain of debt, but there are no savings no retirement, no money to have any fun with. They're tight, they're stretched. Everything is down to the wire every week or every two weeks or every month. When the offering plate comes by at church for the person who lives at their means, they fold up a $20 bill very discreetly several times and slide it under everybody else's offerings. A little embarrassed that they can't give more. Wish I could give more, but you don't understand. I'm living from check to check to check. Let me tell you something. Thank God you've at least got a check coming in, but God wants you to the place in your finances where you're not living in that stress level of just going check to check. Do you believe that? You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that includes financially free. Amen. Did you know that most Americans live this way? I was stunned pretty much when I read this poll. But a recent poll revealed that 78% of Americans live from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Three quarters of Americans live from check to check. So paycheck to paycheck is living at your means. So you've got above your means, way overextended, 
at your means, barely making it. Then the third financial lifestyle is living within your means. Now, this person, I want you to really tune in tight to this now because this person, this one, is beginning to understand Bible finances. They live within their means. They recognize something important. They don't own anything. I'm going to say that again. You don't own anything. I don't own anything. You say, well, Jeff, I do too. My name is on my house D. My name is on that car. My name is on this and that and the other, that credit card. I do too own it. No, you don't. Because when you understand Bible finances and kingdom finances and kingdom living and kingdom money, you understand that God owns it all. It's all his. And we have been made stewards, not owners. He has trusted us with money so that we will use it wisely and for his glory. But it's a trust. It's not ownership. It's a trust. God can take it away anytime he wants. Have you noticed that? God can take it away anytime he wants. God says in Haggai 2 verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Says the Lord of what? All. All the silver is mine. All the gold is mine. All the dollars are mine. All the pesos, all the francs. Every currency, God ultimately owns it and controls it by his providence. God's the owner. Psalms 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's. And how much in it? Everything. Everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So the person living within their means makes purchases with an eye turned upward. I'm not telling you you can't ever go into debt. I'm not preaching don't ever go into debt. I mean, you almost always have to go in debt for a house or sometimes for a student loan or that kind of thing. But here's what I am saying. When you understand kingdom finances, before you make a purchase, you look up. And you inquire of the Lord and you ask him, do I buy this? Do I not? Do I get it? Do I not? Do I say no? Do I say yes? Because you're the boss. You're the Lord. And you're the Lord of my life. And so, Lord, do I get this? And, and you better have this mindset when you walk into the mall. You better have this mindset when you walk out of that new car lot. Because you can hear voices. Buy this, buy that, get this, get that's okay. God will cover it. God will take care of it. No, listen, the person who lives within their means understands that God owns it all. Here's the way they look at it. He's Jehovah Jireh to me. My, my God is Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Visa. I don't turn to the plastic every time I want something. But I go to Jehovah Jireh. What do you say, Lord? What about this? Should I do this? And he will say, yay or nay, yes or no, do it or not. But we're, our, our finances are under the Lordship of Christ Jesus who cares about it all. Amen. The person living within their means, think about and plan for the future. And they're willing, watch this, they're willing to suffer a momentary lack for long-term gain. They practice delayed versus immediate gratification. I can say no. I can turn something down. I can suffer that lack. If it's wiser for me to not get it than to get it, I don't have to have what I want, when I want it, every time I want it. We can wait. Listen to what the Bible says. Keep your lives 
free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So I'm content with what I have. There comes a time where you've got to say, you know what, I've got enough. I can trust God to provide it if I don't have to go into debt for it. I can trust God with this need. I can trust God with this. But I have the ability to say no. I have the ability to walk away. I have the ability to suffer lack and wait for God's timing. We can say an anointed no to Wimpy's philosophy of going into debt for things already consumed and have enough to live within our means. Amen. Well, I can tell CD sales are going to fly off the shelf today. Amen. We, we need this. How many of you can say, I need this? Come on. I'm going to tell you, when I was riding that gold wing, I was hearing voices. Riding that gold wing down the highway with that radio on and the cruise control. I was hearing voices saying, you know, when you get back, you ought to just buy this. You ought to just buy it, Jeff. Doesn't this bless you? You ought to just buy this motorcycle. And, and, and I was really considering it. And then I prayed. You know, God can really ruin a party. He, he can ruin a good mood. He can really shut you down. Because I was really feeling an anointing on this thing. It was blessing me. The radio, you know, wind blowing through. I mean, it was blessing me. But I prayed about it. And, and God said, why don't you just rent it? Because then you don't have to keep it up. You don't have to take care of it. You don't have to carry the debt of it. Rent it and take it back to the owners and you walk away free. And I said, okay. I took it back and I got out of there real fast. Because if you notice, when you go into a place like that, everybody descends upon you. And, and they've got a great plan for your life. And it's called D-E-B-T debt. And so I, I turned it in and I left. And the further away from it I got, the better I felt. I'll rent it again someday, but there's no anointing to buy it right now. I was able to say no. Now let me talk to you about the last one, living below your means. Below your means. Now here's what living below your means looks like. This person or couple don't serve their money. Their money serves them and their values, and their priorities. See, Jesus talked about serving money. Not just having it, but serving it. No man can serve God and money. He talked about serving it. So that money is your master. The borrower is servant to the lender. You know what I like doing? I like firing lenders. I like paying off debt and, and saying, thank you, I don't need you anymore. But Jesus said, you can serve money. But see, the person that lives below their means, they don't serve their money. They make their money serve them and their values and their priorities. What do I prioritize most? Listen, they have decided that investing in the kingdom of God is more important than getting everything they want. Can I say that again? Investing in the kingdom of God, because that's a value of the kingdom. The gospel going forth, people being saved, children being fed, Jesus being lifted up, the kingdom of God being advanced. See, what you give your money to, you empower it to continue. So my value is, I'm going to give to God's work even if I have to say no to a few things. So the person living below their means have disciplined themselves to do two things. Give 10% to God and 10% into savings. Now I have here a dollar. It's actually a $5 bill, but I'm just going to call it a $1 bill. Here's the, way, here's the way living below your means looks. 
Every dollar I get, I look at it and I go, okay, 80 cents is mine. A dime goes to God and a dime goes to savings. I wish I could get every teenager and just bring them here and say, listen to me. If you will live this way, if you will right now with every dollar you earn, if you will give a dime to God and a dime into savings, you're going to be rich when you're old. I, I look at a dollar now not as something that is for me to spend totally. Every dollar that comes to me, I see it as 80 cents. A dime goes to God. A dime goes to savings. So when that air conditioner breaks down in the middle of July, I'm not wringing my hands about how I'm going to pay for it. I have saved. Because the Bible says time and chance happens to everybody, and that includes AC units breaking down and car tires going flat and engines breaking down and needing things. And God doesn't want us chewing our nails every time a need comes along because we haven't saved anything. I'm talking to you common sense today. So every dollar I get, that's living below my means. So now you say, well, Jeff, I can't do that. If I did that, I'd never pay all my bills. I understand. It's something to work towards. God wants us to the place where every dollar we get, we go, okay, a dime goes to God, a dime goes to savings, and I can live on 80%. Then I'm below my means. And you know what I am then? I'm free. I'm free. I want you to stand with me, would you? Say above, above. at, at. Within. within, below. All of us are in one of those four financial lifestyles. Now, if you're above and you're way overextended and you're in debt over your head, God can set you free. I want you to have hope. God can set you free. If you're living at your means and you're barely making it check to check, God can teach you to say no to some things, scale it down, start honoring him, with your highest value, your highest priority, which is the kingdom of God, and saving some. He wants you to the place where you have some set aside and you're giving to his work. Jesus castigated the rich man in his parable in Luke 12, verse 16. He castigated the rich man who was so blessed. He said, good grief, my business is exploding. What am I going to do with it all? I'll, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns and set aside more for myself. And then he thought his retirement plan was in place. And it was looking good for him. And he said, soul, kick back and hit the links. Now I'm paraphrasing. Because you have enough for many years to come. But Jesus said that night, God said to him, You fool, tonight your soul is required of you. You should have been rich toward God. So a dime goes to God. A dime goes to savings. I live on 80%. Let's lift our hands to the Lord, can we? Pray with me and say, Jesus. I give you my finances. I ask you to redeem my finances. 
Help me to get out of debt. Help me to be financially free. Help me to say no to what I don't really need. Help me to be disciplined. That I can glorify you with what you trust me with. In the name of Jesus. Now I want you to take a minute. Think, am I above? Am I at? Am I within? Or am I below? Assess your financial lifestyle. And then ask God to redeem it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen.